0: Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast. I am Jamie Truman, your host. Did you know that one in four women and one out of nine men are victims of domestic abuse? I spoke with Dr. Ludi Green today. She has dedicated her entire life to helping victims of domestic violence achieve independence. Thus, she has written a best-selling book, Ending Domestic Violence Captivity, A Guide to Economic Freedom, and is the producer and host of a podcast, Ending Domestic Violence, and of course, the founder of Second Chance Employment Services. We talk all about the statistics of domestic violence and the number one reason women end up staying with their abuser and why sometimes they even go back to their abuser. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So thank you, Dr. Green, for coming on to talk to us today. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. Of course. So I want to start out with your background because you've wrote a very successful book, Ending Domestic Violence, Captivity, and you also have your own podcast on domestic violence called Ending Domestic Abuse. And I want to know a little bit about yourself and why you're so passionate about this particular subject.
1: Well, one of the things that came to me very importantly, and that's what I'm so passionate about when I was very young, at the time I was going to the university in Washington, D.C. and working in Capitol Hill, I had the opportunity to see in a shelter for better women they were looking for volunteers. And it was called My Sister's Place in D.C. So I went there and I had the chance to start volunteering a couple of days a week and seeing how women were struggling so much and coming to the shelter and then going back to the abuser. And that made me think, why are they coming and why are they leaving and going back to the abuser? And that's what it caught my mind. And I'm like, there got to be some solution because why are these people coming back? And then I realized that financial dependency was we're keeping these victims with them, with the abuser. So from there, I uh, came up with this concept that why there's, is there any employment agency in the United States for victims of violence? I start asking around through friends, through people. And through the years, I start building this whole concept and this whole business plan to create it because it was not one in the United States. After all that research I have done, and that made me more passionate about it and, and realizing that if I bring financial independence to victims through employment, there will be able to escape abuse. So how have you been able to do that for these women? I founded an organization in 2001 called Second Chance Employment Services, the first and only employment agency in the US for victims of violence. Through that, we had partnerships with shelters in the area, then around the United States, and also with companies, corporations, hospitals, uh, universities. I mean, the largest in, in the country, and us, a small ones as well. But we work in partnership, and they were able to give us first time priority for women who were victims of violence. Mm-hmm. And what
0: type of employment are you helping these women obtain?
1: It was very interesting, very diverse. At the beginning, it may have been just, you know, customer service work. can be even housekeeping. Then after time, people start realizing that we existed, we were there. I have gotten people who were professors. I have gotten even doctors and OBGYN doctor. I have got women who had PhDs, MBAs. I mean, we got consultants in big firms like Booz Allen and Hamilton. We work with people with Accenture. We work with people with IBM. I mean, all over the place. So I want to talk a
0: little bit about some of the survivors that you spoke with. Now, I know on your podcast, I've listened to several of your episodes and you have some really inspiring stories from women. And I know this may be a a kind of a hard question, but can you tell us any um, stories of the survivors of women that you've spoke to that really have had an impact on you?
1: There was this lady who came to Second Chance through my sister's place, was one one of the local shelters, the one that I I used to volunteer. She basically was a local and she was married to a very prominent lawyer from one of the largest firms in the United States. And they also have international representation. It was unbelievable. She decided to stay home mother. She got some background as administrative assistant, but her passion and real career was painting art. So... She created her little studio in the house when she stayed home mom. She had the two kids and she created this studio to teach ch- little children how to paint. Well, her husband through the years started changing and became very controlling, very isolating. So she had no family around. She told her story to us and he got one day very upset. He came very much, he was drinking, very upset, very mad. And he said, you know, you're taking home. these children I have no attention. He started breaking everything. In her He destroyed the little studio she had in, the, in her house. And basically, she said all these things that I remember one by one. He chained her and he beat her in her bed. And it was horrendous. She said the humiliation she lived and the way she was treated since then, she couldn't cope with it. So she went on on this for several months and she didn't know who to talk to. So she was, uh, you know, trying to see other people in the community, trying to see what can she do. And she identified the shelter. So the only thing she had she was she couldn't take her children because she will take her children. The husband was a lawyer. They will accuse her that she was kidnapping the children. So her only way to do it was to escape. And she ran away. So she ended up in the shelter. And from there they refer her to us because the shelter was the referral to us to our organization. That's how we got to know her. An amazing woman. Couldn't see her beauty or, or her strength at the moment that I met her. It was a very sad um the way she presented, but we found resources. From hairdressers, you know, Christophe Salon, who was very, very famous at that time there in, in DC and M Street, who fixed her hair, changed the color, did a beautiful haircut. From people who provide us suited for change at that time, they gave us the clothing, so she looked beautiful. And then we got her we set her up and secured her a job interview with the World Bank, where she basically created and started her career. But the most important important and impacting part of that of that story was that she never gave up her dream of paint. And uh she told me after a few months working in this place as an administrative assistant, she said, I want to, I want to paint. Is there any opportunity? Do you know of anybody? And I knew someone, one of our board of advisors who knew people at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. So we were able to present her, her painting. She was able to present it. And currently right now she paints. She travels to Italy for what I know. And she has been a spokesperson to us for years and she, she rescued the children. Her life was put together and everything came to be in place. And now she's a happy married woman. So that's one of the most impacting stories, because after being beaten the way she was, she lost all self-esteem. I mean, the person that I saw afterwards, after the years, and the person that I saw the first day I right. met her, I cannot believe how she recovered herself. And is who she is right now, and an example to so many. Wow. That sounds like such a transformation. Yes. So- I want
0: to talk a little bit about some of the statistics of domestic abuse and maybe things that the general public doesn't know about what's mm-hmm. going on in the U.S.
1: So we have one out of four women are victims of domestic violence in this country and one out of nine men. Latest statistics on the 2023 you can find on the Department of Justice. So that means about 10 million women and men a year we have who are victims of violence. I mean... That it is, it a is really process. a disease in society it's another pandemic yeah gosh one in four women and yes. one in nine i had no idea it yes. has increased Sorry. yes through the year has increased and basically since the pandemic it became worse as people became trapped they couldn't go outside they isolate themselves. i mean you are in small places they can't cope with the stressors and domestic violence rises
0: Yes, I have talked to several other people that are running nonprofit organizations, and they did say that that has been there's been an uptick in abuse and domestic violence and um, Mm -hmm. child abuse and so on since the pandemic because of those Mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about your book. So let's talk about when you decided to write it. Tell us a little bit about it and what people can get out of reading your book.
1: So basically, after serving for over 10 years in the organization, I started thinking, you know, it's not just about my leadership, but it's about sharing with others. And I needed to pass the leadership into others. And I felt it would be very important how I created, how I was inspired to create this whole model, which is very successful. And it was tested by several universities. The program was tested. So it came out to be very successful. I said, I need to do something about it. So a book came to me. I'm like, I need to write a book compiled information, the data, the stories of the women who can can write of their own, and as well the model, which is very important because I thought other social entrepreneurs, especially, you know, in the schools, going to universities or colleges, we can find social entrepreneurs, people who want to create organizations to help others. So I said, this can be an inspiration to them. So the book is based on that. I share the model of the organization and I share the stories of the women. And it's very important. Why? Because social entrepreneurs, youngsters who really have dreams and they want to create, make the difference in the world, they can create second chances, Mm -hmm. whatever they are, because it's a real business. It is not like I was a volunteer. I volunteer, of course, at the beginning, but then you become your own employee. You have your own employees. It's a whole business. It's an employment. It was an employment agency for victims of violence. Wow. And so how did you choose the stories that you were going to put in your book? Well, it basically had to be more like random Mm-hmm. We feel that like we can tell people that for example Native American can be somebody Hispanic community, can be women from high strata with a lot of money, people who have a PhDs, women who may be uh in certain industries that other may not have. So it has to be very diverse. That was very, very important. And they're they're willing to be in depth to share it.
0: Yeah, I do think that's really important and I love that you did that within your book, because then someone can always relate to someone that's speaking. In your book. So mm-hmm. I do love that you have all of that diversity in there. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about why you decided to create your podcast. Tell me a little bit about that. I absolutely love it. Listen to, as I said, several, and I'm subscribed and I look forward oh, to each episode.
1: You, you. Of course. That is so great to hear that, you know, and it's growing and I'm very excited about that. And, and our guests is unbelievable. As, you may have listened to some of them, they're women, mm-hmm. high profile women. I mean, like the former... Like, currently, she's the president of the TED Talk. She was abused as a child. I cannot believe she used to be the former president of CNN, if I'm not confusing. Yes, wow. I am. I am in shock. And women who have, who are presidents and CEOs of big corporations, and they share their story there. And they told me this is the first time I'm, I'm sharing my story because they were ashamed. And this is unbelievable because it has helped others understand. So the story behind this podcast was we were all in lockdown in the house, remember in March, 2020, and basically I was in the house, and one day a note was slipped through my door. I know from a lady, a woman with a note saying, my husband is going to kill me, please help me. And she put her name and a number. And I go to my husband and he said, you know, uh, Ludi, you need to be careful right now. I mean, they're, they're telling all of us we have to be in lockdown. We can't, you know, we can be going out and who are you gonna meet? In? But he said, this is someone in the neighborhood, I'm sure. Has to be, you know, and then I decided, well, what happened? Is that happened to me or my child? You know, I started thinking, I mean, this can be a real story. Why will somebody write something like that if it's not real? So I decided to place a call and this lady said, let's meet in this corner. I met her in a corner close to my house. It was in my neighborhood and she showed me her neck. She had a cut, a horrendous cut that her husband had caused. And she said, the reason she's reaching out for help is because he has picked up the son and threw him against the wall. A little boy, four years old, and, um, he had concussion, was very sick, and she couldn't take it anymore. She said that it was increasingly changing since uh, his business was hemorrhaging. The business was hemorrhaging, like losing money in his business. He started drinking a lot. They were isolated. She didn't have her family here. The family are from Philadelphia. So there was no chance. At that point in time, I didn't know how to do it, to be honest. I, I got desperate myself because I felt why if I'm in that situation of this lady? And the only thing I could do was I reach out to people who have helped me previously with my organization Second Chance. So I reach out to the community and we help And we got her to her family and we got her with a child. But we had the proof, we guide her or what to do, taking pictures, having all the evidence, because if not, you know, she can be accused as kidnapping, all these things that happen. So she was the story behind Mama Ending Domestic Abuse podcast, and from there, I said, you know, what about if I call the office of the mayor, at the mayor's office, the chief of police, and during this time, they may be able to assist in any way they can. So they were wonderful; they were positive. So we created this partnership, and we got even help if we, if we, you know, we needed like a car police here outside the house and and help during that time for a few months. About they were about six months, five to six months, and. uh from there, I said, well, this podcast, people can write it, it will have a number, they can email us, and we can find out about how can we help them. So it became a resource, a virtual resource. So we've been helping people since. So during the pandemic, we have about seven women during that time, like the first year. Yes, from different neighborhoods. And interestingly enough, people who have helped before with my nonprofit, they have helped me with their homes. They gave me their homes. They gave me their... You know, like one bedroom, some of them, because their children went to college. Some of them, they provided their basements. So we have been able to keep... And it's still now we're doing that, helping women stay there. From there, we're trying to find resources that they might need a psychologist, they may need jobs. And we just do it, you know, as one woman at a time. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh,
0: I started t- like tearing up listening to that story because I have a three-year-old. So like just... There's just the thought of just like a, that little boy just makes me so sad. And I'm so glad that you were able mm-hmm. to help her when she was really yes. in such desperate and dire need. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you see the future of your
1: organization. The goal is to expand. And uh, this podcast needs to take a national, you know, a national direction. That's what I want it. And we have right now impacting the areas of Miami areas. We have been involved in New York City, where I'm very, very involved, and of course, D.C., and hopefully get more partners, get as well as sponsors, people who really believe on this, and then expanding our staff as well, people who are working for us, and then volunteers during this Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and getting as many volunteers as we can so they can spread the word, and then others can continue, you know, doing this work and help us and helping these victims who they're trapped in abuse situations.
0: And then I wanted to know, like, how could someone help a woman that has been a victim of domestic violence? Say yes. that someone okay. is, you know, a friend of yours confides in you. Where, where does someone start? You know,
1: you want to help yes. them, but you just don't know. Well, the first thing is you need to listen. Never give advice. We can't because they're hurting so much. We need to acknowledge their feelings. We need to believe them. Truly, and they need to feel that we're believing them because many of them they doubt they don't know who to share and by the moment they're sharing, by the moment you're listening to them, you're giving them a chance so they can be able to think it through, brainstorm with you, and be able to make a decision because at the end, they are the ones that say, "I'm leaving or not. It's not as simple as saying "You have to leave, this is time. no. They are the ones that make the decision, and they need to find out how. So you will help us a resource by listening but identifying resources that you can keep at hand. For example, you can have a one 800 hotline, the National Headline on Domestic Violence, have it that at hand. You can have resources through your faith-based communities. There are so many around the whole United States. Then you can identify ways of shelters. There may be some shelters or identify, oh, contact us, you know what? Contact us, to be honest, because the community is immense and people are helping from different states. I can't believe it how they have reached out to us from other states to ask for help and we have been able to connect them. Yes. And how can people get in touch with you? They can go to ludigreen.com. There's a website. You, they can find us with Spotify and in Domestic Abuse Podcast. And we have a way that, you know, th- there's like an email. They can contact us. we we'll have a hotline. And that's how we we are, you know, we're in touch with them. Oh, my gosh.
0: So, you know, Dr. Green, before I let you go, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think someone should know?
1: I want each one of you to know how important it is to have your eyes open. Please think about others in your community. When you go to your faith-based communities as well, Check, look at others. If there's any difference in their behaviors, if something you see different on people, reach out, be a friend, and give a stand, your helping hand to others. So when you're saying that people look around
0: and kind of pay attention to other people's behaviors, what do you mean by that? What are some of
1: the signs? People change. Mm-hmm. For example, there may be a person who has always looked all put together. Suddenly, you know, they're all down. They they don't fix themselves. Teary eyes, red eyes, not smiling like before. They're like sad or, or also ab- avoiding seeing you, isolating themselves. People change when they go through this type of trauma. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Dr.
0: Green, for coming on. You are doing some absolutely amazing work. I love your podcast. And I hope that everybody listening will absolutely subscribe. And of course, purchase your book because you have so much knowledge and information that I think that we should know because honestly, I'm kind of taken back at the statistics that you gave me. And so this is a real problem that people need to know about and gather around and help these women as a community. So thank you thank so much.
1: Me. Thank you so much for the work you are doing by spreading awareness through this very, very important problem that people need to know that we have in this world, not in this community or this country, but around the world.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Truman Charities Podcast. Until next time. If you liked this episode, please make sure to rate and review our podcast. That is how more people learn about the Truman Charities podcast and our organization. And to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you'd like to follow Truman Charities, you can follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities, Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities, and check out our website, TrumanCharities.com.